Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Welcome to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran Shane Whaley will take you on a journey with fellow tourpreneurs, sharing their tips, ideas, insights, and success stories to inspire you to make your tour business the best it can be. And now, here is your host, Shane Whaley. Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the Tourpreneur Podcast. We are continuing our focus on local marketing for activity and tour operators. Today, we talk with the content marketing specialist over at Checkfront, Kyla Steves. Checkfront recently published a 52-page ebook titled Local Marketing Guide for Experienced Providers, shifting your focus during COVID-19 from around the world to around the block. In the ebook, they go over four key strategies to tap into local markets. They dig into how to optimize your website for local search traffic, why you should claim local business listings, and how to maximize ad spends by targeting a local audience. We do have Kyra on the line, and I'll cross over to her shortly, but I need to share with you that the feedback I got about this ebook was phenomenal. It's 52 pages, but zero fluff. Right, There's a lot of PDFs floating around on the internet that, have you ever tried finding a recipe lately? Have you ever noticed you try to find a cooking recipe and because of SEO, it's like a thousand words before you actually get to the recipe. I don't need to read the history of the sweet potato. I just want to get to my sweet potato tacos recipe. Thank you very much. Anyway, I digress. This document, as my good friend Brian would say, he runs the Intelligence Trail, spy tours in London, all killer, no filler. And that's definitely how I describe this document. So I was pleased that Kyla agreed to come on the show. She actually authored this for Checkfront. So sit back and enjoy it. Take some notes on whatever you do today. Go and download this ebook. It's free and you can find it at tourpreneur.com forward slash 93. And I'll add the link for the book there. And Checkfront don't bombard you with emails and funnels and all of that. And full disclosure, they are a supporter of the Tourpreneur podcast. There would be no Tourpreneur without those good folks at Checkfront. But you know what? Even if they weren't a sponsor of this show, I'd be waxing lyrical about this document because I enjoyed reading it. And the feedback I got from your peers, from other listeners also was very complimentary. You'll enjoy this one. The world's only weekly independent podcast for the tools and activities industry. This is Torpreneur. Welcome to Torpreneur, Kyla. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, absolute pleasure. I have to tell you, 
there's been a lot of talk about local marketing and local marketing plans. And I'm kind of relieved because I don't know about you. Um, I got a bit sick of all the talk about virtual tours and online experiences. And now I'm seeing the conversation shift to, okay, um, things are starting to open up. We need to market locally. How do we do that? So when your document arrived, which, okay, let me say this up front, check front, you are a sponsor of the show. You're a supporter of the show. And, you know, there would be no tourpreneur without Checkfront, quite frankly. But I'm not inviting you on the show today just because you're a sponsor. This 52-page document that you released, a lot of people wrote to me and said, wow, this, this is fantastic. I can't believe they've given this away for free and it's chock full of information. And wow, they're not trying to sell me something. This is just content. So I want to thank you for that, Kyla. Yeah, I mean, I've always just really wanted to deliver the most valuable content to tour and activity operators. That's always my goal on the Checkfront blog. And so, yes, it's 52 pages, but I wanted to make sure that you had as much information as possible because I really believe that local marketing is the way to go right now. I mean, like you said, there's been a lot of talk about local leading the way back and I'm not going to say the P word, but it makes sense. Like after restrictions loosen more and more, people are going to want to do things. They want to leave the house. They want to see their friends and family and they're going to want to do activities, of course, safely, low risk activities. But like, here's the thing, like local experiences aren't really new. Staycations aren't really new. People do recreational things all the time. So it's just, I mean, even here on the island, like we are used to not going anywhere. It's really expensive to get off the island. So local experiences are already a normal thing here. Like last year, I went on a whale watching tour for my birthday. And this year, I rented a surfboard in Tofito. So you see, people also want to celebrate special occasions. And I know your guest, Teresa, even brought that up when she decided to pivot Milwaukee food tours with care packages. So there is an opportunity there for tour operators. And of course, I can't speak for all places. And if pivoting to a local audience will work for everyone. I think I saw a comment on your Facebook page a while back where a, a tour operator said that locals in Italy are just not going to go on a wine tour. And there are regions where locals might not be able to afford tourist prices. But in the ebook, like our focus, well, the focus that I really wanted to concentrate on is showing up online, doing local search engine optimization playing by Google's rules, because that's what really matters. If people are going to look for things to do, the first place they're going to look is Google. And so you want to get those higher rankings. You want to show up. And these tips and tricks, they will also help you in the future. So when travel does pick back up, which is hopefully soon, knock on wood, even travelers, when they book things to do, it's usually in destination. So we've seen that data before. And Perhaps that won't be the case uh, going forward. It might look a little bit differently, but it's still so important to show up online. And for tour operators, like your location is a benefit. That is actually something that you can take advantage of to show up online. Yeah, I like how you, you titled this Local Marketing Guide for Experienced Providers, Shifting Your Focus During COVID-19 From Around the World to Around the Block, because that's what I'm hearing from a lot of tour operators who are used to marketing globally. I mean, if you're an, an experience in New York City, you know, your focus is the U.S. plus international 
Whereas, you know, you just mentioned Milwaukee, you know, they are pretty much focusing on within the Midwest, also the US rather than, you know, international. So we've all got different ways of working when it comes to where our audience are based. But now we're all going to be in the situation where if you're running an experience in New York City, you want to get New Yorkers to come out and enjoy your experience. And I think that that is going to be a huge challenge just getting that word out and also getting locals who there is going to be pent up local demand. I don't, I can't speak for international demand because even on a recent episode, one of our guests, America was saying she wouldn't put herself and her kids on an aircraft right now to fly somewhere, even though she desperately wants to go back to Europe. <laughs> and I understand that fear, but there are going to be people sat at home when the restrictions are lifted, right? We haven't been able to go out and do anything for two months, you know, what's on in the area. So it's it's a whole new chapter for marketing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely going to be a challenge. You're going to have to think how to approach them differently. I, I know even in your recent podcast episode with Marika, she mentioned about like just changing up your language. And I think that can go a long way too. But like I said, these tips and tricks that we highlight in the ebook is mainly about boosting your online presence. And that's through local search engine optimization And that's going to benefit you now and even in the future, just because most people, that's where they start their searches online. So you want to snag those higher rankings. And that's what I want to help with. Yeah. So let's take, we're going to talk about five tips because obviously we can't go through the whole 52 pages on (laughs) on the show as much as I would love to. So you talk about local keywords and why research is so important. Where can people go to research keywords? So there are various tools online that you can take advantage of. Uh, Google Ads Keyword Planner, for one, is free. It's not as robust as, say, SEMrush or uh, Moz Local Keywords, but it will still do the job. It'll still give you an idea. And Google itself is a really useful tool. Like You can just go into the search engine and type what you think a customer might use to describe your product and Google will auto-complete with suggestions based on popular and related search terms. So you can actually use those as well. And I know that a lot of local keywords will probably be pretty obvious. Like axe throwing is always probably going to be axe throwing, like axe throwing Philadelphia, probably just going to be axe throwing Philadelphia or escape rooms are usually always described as escape rooms. But you might be surprised, for instance, with wine tours, let's say I would search wine tour and And somebody else might say vineyard tour or wine tasting tour. There are so many other different variations. And of course, the location always so has to do with that too, because a lot of times people will put the location in with the product they're searching for, product or service. It's it's interesting because I just, as we're chatting here, live put in a search Vermont tours and I get the the Google, my business listings come up. But then underneath that, I get tripadvisor.com, I get viator.com, and then comes Vermont Guided Tours, and then Vermont Bus Tour and Trip. And so I guess if I'm offering some kind of tour here that's not listed in this top 10, I've got to kind of look at what keywords people, you know, maybe I'm not optimizing my content for Vermont Tours because I've never really done it that way before. But now myself, I literally just type that into Google because should our governor, for instance, today proclaim, hey, you can go back out and do stuff. That is what I would search right now. Yeah, and that's a pretty broad term to use, Vermont tours. That's going to include so many different tours. So with small businesses, they have a better chance at ranking for long tail keywords. So those are highly specific keyword phrases, uh, usually like three or four more words than that. 
So say if you were to break it down even further, like exactly what you wanted to do, like a ghost walking tour in Vermont, like you might actually get some of the tour operator websites right in the organic results. Like for instance, last night, I just quickly put in Victoria Wine Tour and Canadian craft tours came up. And this is something that I really think that I'm really trying to get tour operators to do is to think where they put their local keywords on their website. And the best place for that is your booking page because a lot of local searches have transactional intent. And so your booking page is meant for that, is meant to convert. So you want to tackle those keywords in your booking page. And so when I searched Victoria Wine Tour, Canadian craft tours came up and the first it was like right under the first ad and it was Victoria wine tour. So I clicked on it and that wasn't even their homepage. That was their booking page. And they did all the local SEO techniques. I could see it right there on their page. They put their local keywords in their heading. They put it in their, the name of their product. They put it in their tour descriptions and they changed it up as well. So that's the purpose with local keyword research. It's not just to focus on one local keyword. It's to get an idea of all the different terms that people in your area are using to describe your product. And then you can change it up on your, your booking page. So you're more likely to rank for more keywords. Sure. And what was the name of that company? Canadian Craft Tours. So of course, they're probably a little bit of a bigger uh, tour company. So that's why they were able to get a higher position. They probably have a little bit more SEO strength. But I still think that smaller tour and activity operators can take that and apply it to their website for a better chance at ranking. Yeah, I will add that into today's show notes, which we can find at tourpreneur.com forward slash 93. I'll link to this site because I think why reinvent the wheel if this is a site that's come up and like you say, it's the booking page rather than the homepage. I'm on it right now. You know, take a look at the code. What can you implement in your business that these guys are doing? Because obviously it's working there. Good tip. And like all of these things, they can only help your business that it's not going to hurt and it's something that you can just do to optimize your website so that you can show up for local searches and i know it might seem a little overwhelming you might not know what to do but that's why i align it in the ebook where to put these local keywords and how to find them as well yeah and you mentioned sem rush and moz so they're paid for services have you used them yourself i use sem rush and i find that it is a very uh, useful tool but of course, they come with higher prices for that reason. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know, do you think it's worth the money? I mean, I imagine your company pays for it. But if you had to pay for that, do you think it's worth the cash? I It goes into more specifics with search volume. So with Google Ads Keyword Planner, you'll only see broad searches. So you'll see... If you type something in, you'll see that the search volume could be 10 to 100 or 100 to 1,000. That doesn't really give you enough detail. So with SEMrush, it'll actually break down the monthly search volume. So like 82 or 520, it gives you a better idea because for small businesses, it's better to try to rank for the lower volume keywords and the low competitions right now because, of course, the high volume keywords are going to have higher competition. So... That's just what is better to go for. So you get a better idea of what actually, what is the volume. And sometimes like keywords in Google, keyword planner, they'll say 10 to 100, but like if they're only 10, is it even worth it? At least SEMrush will tell you if it's closer to the 100 side, so. Yeah, so I've never used it. I'm curious to know how it works. Maybe I should go take a look at it, but I know it's not cheap. Yeah, it's it's not cheap. But then stuff that's worth paying for rarely is cheap. So Exactly. Sometimes you just have to invest in your business. You have to invest in these tools. 
Definitely. Now, your second point is around NAP. So for our listeners, what is NAP? So NAP is your name, address, and phone number. And it's your business info that can be listed in many different places online. So if you know online business directories, a lot of times they'll auto-populate information with businesses nearby or somebody can, anybody can usually add information to those sites. So the thing with your name, uh, address, and phone number, that's it has to be consistent across the board. Wherever you have your business mentioned online and wherever there's your name, address, and phone number, Google will take note of that. And if there's any inconsistency, that's a strike against you. So Google wants to give its users the best experience possible. So it wants to make sure that it's sending its users to a business that exists. So if there's any inconsistencies between your NAP, that might signal to Google that, oh, you either don't care enough to like update your phone number, update all these things for your customers, or maybe it's just really out of date and maybe your business doesn't exist. I don't know. But the key is just making sure your citations are correct across the board. Even like a little inconsistency between Av and Avenue might throw Google off. So that's why claiming your local listings is also so important. It's a tedious process, but... If you can do it, you can ensure your NAP accuracy, and that'll really also help you rank for local searches. Yeah, and I think it just lends that credibility that there's a real person on the other end, right? Mm -hmm. Especially right now with uh, COVID and everything else, people have concerns that they can actually pick up the phone and talk to someone. I think it's going to be important. Absolutely. Okay. And also for, you know, obviously you said for Google My Business, I'm looking now at some tours. They've all got their, their phone numbers listed. So is that, because I've never, obviously I haven't listed anything in, in GMB. Is that a requirement that they absolutely need a phone number or? It, I believe it's one of the first steps that you do when you start signing up. Even if you haven't verified your listing yet, I think that's one of the first pieces of business information that you can put in, which kind of goes to show how important it is. So on the topic of Google My Business, like that's the most important local listing that tour and activity operators should be taking advantage of. I mean, it's this free marketing tool and Google is giving it to you on a silver platter and it's so powerful. It really is. It, like When you optimize your Google My Business listing, it helps you show up in the local snack pack, which is that that box you see when you enter a local search and it has the map and it has three listings right there. I didn't know that's what it was called. A snack pack. Is that what it's called? <laughs> I think there are various uh, names for it. I guess I always call it the local snack pack or well, I'm call it start the local free it. pack. It's just like a, a snack size version. Yeah. Of, yeah. No, I like it. I like it. Yeah. and But that's exactly what your Google My Business uh, profile is. It's a bite-sized version of your website. So it can give a brief summary of everything about your business, about your offerings, and it can successfully lead users down the path to purchase all right there without even having to go to your website. And that's Google's intention. I mean, again, they want to make sure that users have the best experience possible, and that means quick and easy. So they've given you this free tool. They've given small businesses this free tool that helps them compete, helps them be able to serve their customers better. And so if you're ignoring your Google My Business profile, don't be surprised if Google starts ignoring you. But yeah, your Google My Business is such an important tool. If you haven't verified your listing and you're listening to this right now, like, can't believe I'm saying this, but like pause the podcast, go do that now. It only takes a few minutes and then come back because that's how important it is. 
Yeah, you know, something from doing the podcast that I, I fall guilty of quite a bit is I'm in this bubble. I think you're probably in this bubble, bubble too, where we assume everybody knows this, but that's not the case at all. And there are going to be listeners going, I haven't done my Google My Business listing. I haven't even looked at it. So, you know, it's really important that if you haven't done this yet, then, you know, obviously download the the guide from Checkfront. But yeah, go, go, go do it. And we should never assume that everybody has done this and knows the basics. That's why we exist as a podcast and why you blog often. It's just flattening that learning curve. Yeah. And you see, the thing is somebody can tell you that something is very important to do. Like, for instance, my brother tells me all the time, all these different things to get my finances in order. And I get that it's important, but it's still something that's overwhelming to me because I'm not familiar with doing these things. And so I put it off or I don't have time for it. And like, I never get around to it, but here, that's the thing again, like with this Google My Business, we can tell you that it's important, but you might feel overwhelmed. And I hope that in the ebook, I break down the steps well enough for you that it doesn't seem so overwhelming. Absolutely. So they, they bring up three. Do you know what the, the, the reasoning is behind the algorithm of the three that they pick? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can never predict what Google thinks. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure, but I my opinion is that it's largely based on your Google My Business page and your reviews, how many right. reviews you have. Obviously, reviews really matter with Google and Google reviews are surpassing like all other review platforms. And they're very good at encouraging users to write reviews. I mean, they, they prompt users with push notifications or, yeah, yeah, or they like reward you with local badges or tell you how many views your reviews get. Like I've been doing so much more Google reviews lately because of that. Like I, I even wrote a review for a mall the other day just to let them know that <laughs> their opening hours weren't updated on their Google My Business page. Again, that's why Google My Business is so important. I showed up thinking it was open till six. It was closed at five. So make sure oh, no. you leave your Google My Business page updated. That's so important for the user experience. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'll have to dig into this a little closer because... I put into Google uh, Burlington, obviously the city in Vermont, Burlington Brewery Tours, and it brings up the three in the snack pack. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, the first one it brings up has 85 reviews. I, I guess it's by, yeah, I get it now. It's by review score because the first one is 85 reviews. The next one is 209 reviews. Yeah. And the one after that is 262. So you think on volume of reviews, but the one that has 85 that's in first place, it's got an average Four, well, it's got a score of 4.9. The one next to it is 4.7. So that's obviously based on the, the weight of the, the scores. Yeah, totally. And who knows if it also has to do with the conversion with your Google My Business profile as well. If people yeah. click through to learn more or they give you a call because that also I think Google takes into consideration is the value. If, if you're providing value and people are taking action as well. Great. Excellent. Well, I'm sure there'll be more discussion to come on Google My Business in future episodes. I'm sure we could go an hour on that. Oh, but, totally. uh, <laughs> you've got so much in this document that I want to be respectful of, of your time uh, on, on this. So that anything else you want to share on Google My Business before we move on? Yeah. Like I said, because it can successfully lead down the path to purchase. What I mean by that is reserve with Google is now available for two and activity operators. I mean, it has been available for like a year and a half now. And so if you haven't taken advantage of that, I highly suggest that because a user can go on your Google My Business page, they can see all your information, and then they can also book 
right then and there without having to go to your website. So it reduces the number of booking steps. It reduces that friction. So I highly advise that tour and activity operators get on with Reserve with Google. It's also free right now. You just need an integration with your booking platform. Right. So just, just that clear for everybody, if you're working, say, with CheckFund, funny enough, yeah. you, can, you can have that integration and it, it goes through your booking platform. Yeah. But sometimes do I see it go through an OTA? I'm not exactly sure on that. Right. Yeah. Okay. That is something I'm a little unfamiliar with. Sure. So my advice then is to check with your booking platform provider that they work with Reserve with Google. I think most do now, don't they? Yeah, I think most are on it now. And you also have to check if you are eligible for Reserve with Google. They have their own requirements as well. Wow. Do you have any any idea what they are? No, I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. No, no, you're not a Google expert. No, no, no. That, that's totally fine. I'm just being nosy. You know me. <laughs> just curious. I should go research this stuff. I, that's okay. I wish I wrote a cue card for that one. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone who is listening is an expert on Reserve with Google, you're welcome to come on the show and, and share it with us. That's, that's what we're all about here. But again, a really good point that, you know, making it as seamless as possible to book tickets and check availability, especially right now with COVID and, and getting out of this to see what availability different tours and activities have available. Yes. Very, very powerful stuff. Did you know every weekday Shane curates the most interesting news articles in tours and activities and sends them out in a snappy daily digest? Grab your copy of the Tourpreneur Daily Briefing at www.tourpreneur.com. Next point uh, you raised was Google and Facebook ads. Yes. So right now, tour and activity operators might not be wanting to spend money on paid advertising. And I get that. Like you want to cut down on costs as much as possible. But at the same time, there is an opportunity with everyone else holding back to stand out more in the space. So if you are going to do paid advertising, there is something for local marketing in Google ads and Facebook ads, you can do geo-targeting. So you can actually focus on a certain location for your pay-per-click ads. And if whenever somebody enters that proximity or, or within that region, your ads will only show up to them. And so that's a good way to take advantage of your pay-per-click ads to maximize your ad spend so that somebody outside of that region doesn't click on that ad and waste your advertising dollars because right now they might not be able to participate in your tourism activities. So that would be a wasted click. So yeah, it's pretty easy to set up geo-targeting in Google ads. And, but I also think that right now, I think a good focus would be more Facebook ads. And I wish that I would have gone more into detail on Facebook ads in the ebook, but then I would have turned into like an 80 page document. But I think that Facebook ads will be highly valuable for tour and activity operators as well. Just because Facebook ads blend more into the newsfeed and people are going on their social media so much more now during this quarantine. So if your Facebook ad appears in their newsfeed, it could be like that catalyst to get them to book your tour and activity, especially since you use really compelling copy, really compelling image or video that can really stand out. And Luckily, like with tours and activities, that's your images, your videos are quite captivating already. It, 
really plays on the fear of missing out when people see something like that they're like oh i want to do that experience too so facebook ads is a good place to start advertising and you can do so much with facebook ads as well like you can focus on user behavior you can target based on interests the real power is remarketing so if you install the facebook pixel code on your website you can track uh, your website conversions and you can remarket based on user behavior so and that that happened so fast the other day i was looking at a camera i'd asked on the group for advice on uh, i think it was the osmo pocket camera and then someone suggested another gadget and i clicked on their website and literally like within two minutes they their ad was in my facebook feed (laughs) wow i know like i also think that my phone is spying on me all the time because i'll say something and then all of a sudden i'll get facebook ads all about it so (laughs) but it's also like if you're interested in it and you get that ad for it that's one less step for you so it's actually a good user experience it's very personalized. So I'd rather get ads for things that I'm interested in yeah. ads that I'm not interested in. So Yeah, but you know for work, right? You you're searching around things. So then like my feed is always, you know, tours and activities because that's what I do and I yeah. put my daily brief together. So it's you know, it's difficult sometimes to but it's funny you mentioned personalization. There was I remember reading a story, I don't know if I can find it now. I'll have to check a couple of years ago, of this guy who basically really made his roommate paranoid because each day they would talk about something and he used that geo-targeting or whatever else on Facebook. So every single day, the Facebook ads were what they'd been talking about. And this guy in the end just went mad. He was like, I can't believe this is happening every day. But it was the roommate who was actually running a Facebook ad, just geo-targeted so tightly that he was getting it every day. It was very funny. Oh, that's hilarious. I remember when the personalized ads started coming out and my old roommate, he would be like, why do I keep getting all these ads for Pringles? I don't get it. <laughs> to be like, that's because you're searching. For, how often are you searching for Pringles online? Like, yeah. Clearly that's why you're getting targeted for that, but. But the power of it is incredible. And I know there are concerns around data sharing and everything else. Personally, I take the view. I've got nothing to hide. I pity yeah. the NSA person who looks at my computer because it's all work-related stuff <laughs> in football. So, you know, poor them. But, you know, over over the, the during the lockdown, you know, I tell you, I bought chilies from New Mexico. Yeah. And chili sauce from New Mexico. <laughs> I've bought spices from a guy up, I think he's in Chicago, to make my Indian curries. All through Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. All that come through on Facebook ads. And I I don't really know why those ads came up, if I'm honest. And I love to cook <laughs> and I love spicy food. But somewhere, somewhere they tracked that and sent me relevant ads. And I'm pleased to say that those those products were really good. And I've been a repeat customer. I've gone back and got more. Yeah, so it works. Clearly, you're it in does. that audience that they're targeting. So yeah. Yeah. I know. And also, you know, the reason I brought up earlier on about searching Vermont tours, right? It's very broad, but my problem is, and I think we need to think of this when we're, we're running marketing campaigns is I've lived in Vermont four years or so. I still don't really know what's on offer here, which is a bit embarrassing for a uh, host of a tourpreneur podcast <laughs> to say, but you know, I could tell you all the attractions and museums in Berlin, Germany, but I don't really know what's in my backyard. So for me, that is the kind of thing that I would search for. And also, you know, for instance, there's a few museums nearby, you know, they need to be targeting me. I need to see them in my feed and go, oh, I'd never have thought of going to Shelburne Museum. And they have this on. I'll go there on Saturday because I'm I'm really a good audience and I, I, I can't wait to go and do stuff. Yeah. But I don't know what's out there. So I would never search for museums near me, right? For an example. 
Yeah. And that's where two different types of marketing come into play. So for those that don't really know what's available in your area, a tour operator could take advantage of their blog and write posts on things to do and target those keywords, things to do this weekend, things to do this summer, like target with those blog posts because your blog post is meant to inform where your booking page is meant to convert. So yeah. You can tackle some of those broad terms in your blog posts for those that don't know what's in the area, but for your booking page, be highly specific. And this is where I think, and I don't usually say this, uh, offline advertising could become very important as well. So the area I live in, we do actually, one of those rare areas where we have a newspaper that's still read and quite popular, you know, an ad in there, I read that newspaper every Friday, you know, afternoon when it arrives and I have my tea and I read it. I'm an ideal person for them to advertise to offline because I'm reading that newspaper and I'm in the mood for, I want to do something locally. And that's actually, you know, normally I would say stay away from offline, but now with local, I think that's also going to be a channel that's worth exploring. Absolutely. I, I, I would never say to not do anything with offline because you never know that those are just harder to track. Your marketing campaigns offline are harder to track, but now with COVID, people are standing in line at small businesses. They have to wait patiently. They're looking around. So if you can get your posters or brochures into other small businesses, they might just look at that because they're waiting in line. So you never know. So if you have it in your budget, might as well give it a shot. And it's also worth, you know, a lot of newspapers are really struggling. If you think about it, they've had minimal ad revenue for two months they are really struggling. They are laying off staff and furloughing staff. Maybe they will have outstanding rates or you can ring up and say, right, I've never run a newspaper ad before. What's the best deal you can do for me? You know, I mean, don't be afraid to ask for a really good discount. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to go after any little thing. Just try to get your name out there. Try to work with other local businesses. Share more on your social media right now. Like now is not the time to go dark. Continue engaging with your audience. Share your plans for reopening, what your plans are for sanitization, your safety measures you're going to start taking. And just like let your customers know how you've been doing too. Like keep that personal connection going. Definitely. I, I think that's highly valuable. Yeah, and I jumped ahead a little bit. We were on Facebook ads, now we've gone into local coalitions, whatever. But in terms of Facebook ads, because that's clearly, you know, your preferred method, are there any courses or books or anything you recommend for people who want to learn that? There is a lot of great articles on Google. <laughs> if you just do right. a Google search, I don't know of any ebook okay. or any courses right now, but because I've been talking about Facebook ads, I'll probably be writing an in-depth how-to guide on the Checkfront blog shortly. Yes. So I, yeah, I wish I would have put more of it into the ebook, but. Again, no, no, I think the, I think the size was right. To be honest <laughs> with you, because, no, because even at 52 pages, I know there are some tourpreneurs out there who looked at it, downloaded it and said, I'll read that on Sunday. And they didn't get around to it. Yeah. And please tourpreneurs, please carve out some time, brew yourself a, you know, a coffee, pot of tea, whatever, and sit down and study this document because it's available for free. And as I've often said on the show, 
there are a lot of empty suit gurus out there that are selling a lot of information when it comes to marketing. This is for free. Do yourself a favor and read it. And I've had really good feedback from a lot of our listeners who have read it and thoroughly enjoyed it, by the way, Kyla. Oh, that's great. And the thing is, too, is we send you an email so you can save the link and you can refer to it anytime. So if once you start experimenting with Google ads or Facebook ads or when you're trying to optimize your Google My Business listing, you can just quickly bring it up and refer to it as you're doing those steps. Definitely. And I look forward to the Facebook ad PDF that you bring out soon. Yes, it'll probably just be a blog post, probably not a 52-page document. (laughs) Oh, damn, that's what I need, another 52-page document. (laughs) Everyone needs in their life just overwritten (laughs) e-books. Yes. No, but I think that that's key because, you know, it is tough. I mean, I, I've played around with Facebook ads. And I know they keep changing in it, but when, it's one of those things, if you're not in it every day, it's a bit like a language. If you don't use your French or your German every day, you kind of forget it. And I think that's the same with the back end of Facebook sometimes. And, you know, you can also, I mean, you can cap the amount of money that you spend, of course, but, you know, you can burn cash on there quite easily. Yeah. And that's also where local keywords come into play too, because you can use those in your Facebook ads to make sure that you're targeting people that are actually interested in your product. So yeah. there is lots that you can do on Facebook ads. And yeah, it is, it's a beast of a platform. But great. I mean, the amount of personalization, as you talked about earlier on, exactly. how you can really drill down into interests. It's, it's definitely worth studying and looking at. And maybe also here at Torpreneur, I'll, I'll do some asking around. I know we're building the Torpreneur approved directory. It might even be out by the time this episode is aired. And if you've completed a course, either free or paid, that has really helped you with Facebook ads and you can direct, you know, if another tour operator calls you, you can talk them through why it was so good. I will add that to the approved directory. So the fifth point we were talking about was, was local coalitions and working with other tour operators. And you released a blog post uh, recently, two parts actually yeah. about building local coalitions with Adventure Hub up there in uh, Alberta. Yes. What advice would you give to our listeners about building a coalition or indeed just working with other tour operators to help us thrive again? So one of the first pieces of advice, um, and this is just based off my talk with Adam, is just to find a core group that will be on board. So just start having those coffee conversations with others. Reach out to other tour operators because they're probably looking for a partnership just as much as you are right now. Like you can, you can do some amazing things together as a team and it's a lot easier to move a brand forward as a group rather than individually. So I would say just start having those coffee conversations, figure out what you want out of the coalition, set those clear goals and just go after it with talking to Adam, what really helped him is he found two problems that he wanted to solve and he found that he could solve that using a booking system, which is great. So getting everyone onto the same platform made it so they could make bookings on behalf of each other easily. And then also it allowed them to centralize everything, really streamline administrative processes like working with hotels. And so that really helped too. And did I read in your, I read so much, so forgive me if I've got this wrong, but they were also uh, lending each other staff. Yes. So I believe after my conversation with Adam, he said that they were kind of talking about what they were going to start doing for recovery now. And that kind of came up is that they might start sharing staff. Yes. Yes. Wow. Wow. That's really neat, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, sharing resources, sharing staff. Why not work with other experienced providers if it can help save you money? And working together, you can, like I said, do more things 
Definitely. And, and I've invited Adam on the show, so hopefully he will come on. I'm not sure if I can do such a good interviewing him as, as you did, Kyla, for your blog post, but you know, we'll give it a go. Oh, I'm sure it'll be a great episode. And he's so nice and he's so excited to share about Adventure Hub. So if you're listening, stay tuned for that. It's going to be a really great episode. Brilliant. Are you seeing anyone out there who's doing really well with local marketing? Someone you look at and think, wow, they, they've got it. They get this. So far, it's been pretty quiet here. And maybe that's why yeah. like, people should start focusing on local marketing because I haven't seen too much show up on my Facebook. Still early days, isn't it? It's still, it's still early, early days. Yeah. I think our business owners might be a little bit scared right now too. There's that fear of being insensitive by pushing on your tourism activities right now. But I, I think that you shouldn't be scared because people are going to welcome the idea. People are excited to get out of the house. It's just as long as you abide by the reopening guidelines, as long as you make it safe. Yeah, I think that's key is on, on your copy, maybe explaining what you're doing in terms of making it safe for people and that you are watching the regulations. And I think also, I mean, I, I touched on this with America, but the emotional side of marketing, we, we forget sometimes because we're selling our products and our experiences. But I also feel particularly locals, for those of us who haven't been furloughed and laid off and we've got some money, we want to support the economy and that might be a local bar, it might be a restaurant, a local gift store. We want to support businesses in, in the state so or in your locality. And I think including some of that new marketing that, hey, you know, if you book with us, you know, we're a family run business in Alberta or wherever it may be and talking a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Like I heard that in your last episode and I was like, yes, that's genius. Well, the key lime pie. Did you hear that? Yeah, <laughs> I almost paid almost a hundred bucks for key lime pie just because I heard that guy inter interviewed and how he spoke about what they were doing and they were family run. And I was like, wow. But then I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't believe any key lime pie is worth $94. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll go to Key West one day and I'll be like, oh, wow. Now I get it. <laughs> but yeah, you have to pull at the heartstrings right now. And so if you can share that your local business looking for support, I know that's what a lot of people are wanting to do right now. I think on in Victoria, there's something about takeout Wednesday. So support a small business by ordering takeout from a small restaurant. So mm -hmm. there are initiatives out there. That's the mindset right now. So just share that you're a local business. You're A lot of people know that the tourism industry is really hurt right now. So I think a lot of people want to help. Yeah, I think you're right. But you know, I, I also think the challenge for tours and activities is, for instance, you know, I, I live in a rural part of the state, so my local diner is really important to me. I'd be devastated if he has to close down. I go there once a week, so but I don't do a tour once a week. So I think very often with tours, we might do it once a year or when friends and family visit, you might go, but it's not front of mind. And I think that's the challenge that we're not thinking about those of us who aren't working in the travel industry, we're not thinking about those tours as needing help. We are thinking of the local shop or, you know, the, the local restaurant and the diner. So it's, it's quite a tough challenge. But again, that's why I think we need to make it a part of our marketing that, you know, you're, you're almost, I don't want to use the word pat on the back, but, you know, I think people will feel good knowing they're supporting a company in the state and, and helping a family or keeping local people employed. Yeah, absolutely. And who knows, at first, a lot of people might be excited to do some things that the tourists always do that they seem the tourists do, but yes. never really wanted yeah. to do it because of the crowds or because they didn't want to feel like a tourist. So 
And right now, like a trip to the grocery store once a week, that's like a torn activity for me right yeah. now. I get excited to go to the supermarket. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's real people. I can't go too close. We say in Vermont, you've got to be one dairy cow apart. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's like I'm seeing people. I used to hate going to grocery shopping <laughs> at the supermarket. Yeah, people want to do things. So I do think it's going to be a little bit more challenging for tour operators. Activity operators kind of have an advantage that way because people like doing recreational activities in their area already. Tours specifically, I think just as long as you put that in your ad copy, you kind of create that emotional connection. I hope that helps you out at first. Yeah, especially if you're doing something like a bus tour where, like, you know, a lot of the, the buses here, those small buses, you know, maybe you are only going to run them if you can make a profit out of it, but run them at 50% capacity so people aren't sat right next to each other. That kind of thing to reassure what are you doing in your business to reassure nervous travelers, really. Yes. Great. Kyla, I have to say, before I let you go, and I know your bosses are going to be listening to this, so very, very brave of you to come on the podcast. I I love chatting to you. I'm a big fan of your work. And I wanted to tell you that, you know, every day, as you know, I send out a daily brief with news stories and blog posts and articles in, in the tours and activity industry, doing this for a year and a half now. So I get the data. I can see what people click on. And uh, your bosses might have to pay you more money because you might get headhunted after I say this, but your blog posts always get right. They're in the top three. That's great. Every time I send an email out. Oh, that's that's awesome. So yeah, it could be the Checkfront brand too. Like hopefully we've made enough of an impact in the industry that as soon as people see the Checkfront name, they want to click too. But Um, that's a good, that's a good answer. And I saw Jason and Angela are agreeing with you, but I'll give you another one. I think it's because you've done your research and the articles that you write are relevant and they're what the industry are looking for. Great. Well, I'll, I'll go with that and I'll, I'll write that down. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I, I wanted to give you that feedback. So thank you very much for coming on the show, Kyla. Is there anything we haven't covered that you would like to address before we wrap up? I think we covered pretty much everything that I want to say, but if we miss anything, I'm sure it's in the ebook. So make sure that you go over to checkfront.com slash local-marketing-guide and download the ebook. And hopefully it will help you reach a local audience at this time. Absolutely. And if you're out walking the dog or, or doing the dishes right now, you don't have a pen to hand. If you go to tourpreneur.com forward slash 93, the links will be in the show notes. Thanks for coming on to the show, Kyle. I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me, Shane. Thanks for listening to the Torpreneur podcast. Be sure to visit torpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Torpreneur.